Good afternoon, everyone. Um, glad to be here today, and and um, we're going to start a new series, and we've we've talked about living in Babylon as a foundation for what we're what we're going to be looking at. Today, we're going to start a, what I, what I call living in digital Babylon. Uh, we'll talk about how Babylon is surrounding us now. And we're going to talk about a number of different things. I've read 19 books to prepare for this uh, particular class. And the more I've gotten into it, the more difficult uh, I've run into some things that I hadn't considered before. But let me give you some upfront things that we can look for. The purpose of this series is to point out several difficult issues that Babylon presents to, to believers today. Number one, uh, this study series is not about Democrat or Republican, left or right, conservative versus liberal. It's about worldviews. Uh, which worldview will we believe and follow? A biblical worldview or a secular, humanistic, materialistic worldview that promotes man as supreme and not God? Okay, number three. Number two, uh, it is about foundations. Uh, upon what is your worldview built? Is it built on sand or is it built on the rock? So, number three, it's about idols. We will learn some very disturbing details about the American dream and those who have falsely promoted it. Okay? Number four, it's about government. Do we know what the Scriptures say about our reactions with government? and what our responsibilities are. And lastly, number five, it's about answers. The Scriptures provide us very clear answers. The problem is they are simple, but difficult to implement. Okay? Uh, when the class is over, if I've done my job, you will see what Babylon is today and how we are to interact with it, what kind of issues we're supposed to run into. Uh, if you're like me, you will find out many of the things you believed in and held sacrosanct are actually wood, hay, and stubble. This realization, though, is a good thing. Uh, the Lord is merciful and His grace is far beyond our ability to screw things up. So, there are two quotations I found that had a profound effect on me in this study. Number one was from G.K. Chesterton that said, Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. The second one was from D.L. Moody. It says, The world is yet to see what man, what God can do with a man is truly yielded to him. That would be man or woman. But the point to be made is, um, Christianity, as God outlined it, has not been tried and, and found that it wouldn't work. It's been found difficult and not tried. And I think we'll see that as we go through this, this teaching. Now, there is a foundation scripture that the Lord gave me. Uh, Psalms 11.3 and from the New American Standard uh, Bible, the 2020 version. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, what we're finding out today is that 
the foundations of things we've grown up thinking about and loving and thinking were true are, are crumbling right before our very eyes. Now, uh, I want to tell you what happened to me. Uh, in mid-January of this last year, I got COVID, and I got it pretty bad. Uh, my oxygen level was extremely low, and my temperature was extremely high, and my wife was struggling trying to keep me cool, warm, whatever. She, it was just a mess. She got me to the hospital, and when I got to the hospital, I ended up going twice. The first time, they said, oh, all you've got is COVID. There's nothing we can do for you. The second time, it was really serious. That's when my oxygen level died. And um, so I, they, they sent me in. They sent me into uh, uh, the emergency room because they didn't have any beds. I stayed there for uh, 30 hours. Now, in the process of doing that, I got very weak, very sick, and when Julia finally took me to the hospital the second time, they put me in room 14, and I told her I would call her when I got uh, knew something about what, what room I was going to be in. Now, within that frame, uh, I, got to, I called her and told her I was in room 14, and she mentioned something, and in, in the conversation, she mentioned Joe Biden. And when I heard his name, I just went ballistic. I went, I was cussing him, her, God, the hospital, the nurses, any, anybody that got my... I was getting so angry because of what had been happening. And uh, my wife said she could hear the nurse in the background. Great line. She says, Mr. Hines, I'm going to give you something that will help you relax. <laughs> so they gave me a shot or an injection or whatever it was, and I, I got to go to sleep. And when I went to sleep, the Lord gave me a dream. He gave me a dream that uh, is amazing. Uh, I was in the largest forest that I'd ever seen. Uh, it looked to me like it was as big as the, the Pacific Ocean. Um, but yet I knew that the forest was in Poland. So the Lord began to show me this, this pathway uh, uh, that looked like a little river snaking through this whole forest. And it told me that was the election and that everything was on target and everything was going to work out exactly like it should. And I saw that in the dream. And my comment to him in the dream was, um, well, yeah, like, duh, I can see that. I knew it. I could see it. It was going to work out just fine. Then I woke up. And when I woke up, I could remember everything about the dream except what he told me was the reason and how the lecture was going to work out. I couldn't remember that. Uh, I went back to sleep in a little bit and had the exact same dream again. And I knew in the dream, I knew that it was going to work out just fine and I didn't need to worry about it. But when I woke up the second time, the Lord gave me a set of scriptures. It was Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And basically it's the story where... Uh, guy comes up to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You do that, basically you get a hundred on all of them. If you, you, if you do those two, all the rest of them will fall in line. And um, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, here's the interesting part about it. Uh, the Lord needed to communicate to me a message that I would understand. So uh, 
he spoke to me and he said very clearly, I can't use you when you look more like the world than you do me. And you hate yourself. You hate those I love. You're angry all the time. And you can't love others because you don't love yourself. Now, I had a, a friend when I shared that dream with him. He asked me, so what did you think about that? And I said, well, I didn't take it as a compliment by any matter of means. But I, I understood what it meant. And it wasn't the, the Lord didn't give it to me as a rebuke. He's just saying, this is the problem and you need to deal with this. So, uh, I did. I began to look at this. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, when I went into the hospital, I was not scared of dying, although I found out later that my wife, uh, apparently the nurses whatever, said, this is really serious, you know, we, we, don't, you know, we don't know if he's going to make it or what. I knew I was going to make it. I just knew that there were some things that I was angry about that the Lord wanted me to, to deal with, but I didn't know how to do it. I wanted to, but I didn't know how to do it. So, as we left, uh, and when I got home, I began reading, and I sensed the Lord wanted me to do this class on uh, on uh, living in Babylon, in digital Babylon especially. So, uh, a man named Mike Bickle came to Forefront. Now, uh, we knew about Mike Bickle for many, many years. He started the, the International House of Prayer. Uh, in um, Kansas City, and um, as he was as he was teaching back in the 80s, early 80s, Julie and I met him, and 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 he came and taught to our church in Tulsa, so we were familiar with his ministry. Now, in the process of doing that, uh, I came across his his teaching called "Abiding in Love, Experiencing the Heart of God," knowing that I needed to pursue the love of God. I dug into his seminar. And it's interesting, the only teaching I'd ever heard on the love of God, specifically, was Kenneth Copeland taught, uh, wrote a book back in the 70s, The Love Walk of Jesus. Now, that book is not in print anymore, and I can't find a copy of it. It was just a little book. But as it is, he was talking about you loving other people. You, as an individual, loving other people. Uh, but I'd never heard what Mike Bickle said. Mike, Mike Bickle focused on two specific scriptures. John 15, 9, again, in the New American Standard. Just as the fathers loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. And then he went to John 17, 20 through 23. I'm not asking on behalf of those uh, of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you and I, Father, are one, that you are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you've given me, I have also given to them so that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in uni unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them as you loved me. You loved them as you loved me. Now, within that framework, I knew the interpretation of the dream. The forest was actually in Poland, and that's where World War II started. It was a long war, it was a bitter war, and it was started by people that hated Jews. 
Um, the vastness of the forest showed me how uh, it will be difficult to see all the battle elements that we'll be facing. Uh, what President Trump identified as the swamp is vast and it's well hidden. Uh, its borders are far away and very difficult to ascertain. So uh, the very discernible path that the Lord showed me indicates there's a very good explanation as to why things have happened the way that they have. Uh, he showed me the entire thing, and in the dream, it made perfect sense. I got it. I mean, I understood it. The path was not a straight line, but it wound its way through the forest and looked like any good uh, creek or, or uh, river would look as it meandered through the forest. Now, my inability to remember what the Lord told me doesn't take away from what He told me. In the dream, I knew why it happened, and I knew that it was going to work out. But once I woke up, I simply had to trust that he knew what he was doing and it will work out. So I had to trust him because I, I knew it was right, but I couldn't tell you why it was right. So I'm just trusting God. Now having the dream twice was very similar to saying, verily, verily. Uh, it was a point of emphasis for me to remember that he does know what he's talking about. And His Word is all I need to operate with full confidence that it will work out as He said, even when I can't see the answer the right way. Now, as I told you earlier, I studied, I've read 19 books to, to cover this situation. Uh, the first one was Church in Babylon by Erwin Lutzer. Uh, the second one was uh, When a Nation Forgets God. The third one, uh, was no place to hide by Glenn Greenwald. Now, the church in Babylon is Erwin Lutzer, who was the, the pastor at Moody Bible Church for 36 years. It is his version and his uh, analysis of the situation. He's written many great books, and we'll study two of them. Uh, when a nation forgets God is how Nazi Germany became Nazi Germany and the similarities that are there between us. And it's important to understand, like I said, this isn't political, but what we're looking at is the reality of what happened in Nazi Germany. Those same things are happening now. Now, No Place to Hide by Glenn Greenwald is one of the most terrifying books I've ever read because uh, Edward Snowden gave to the Americans and to the world over a million, I think it was a million and a half documents from the National Security Administration that showed exactly what our government is doing to us as individuals and to the world. And it's terrifying because they're not supposed to be doing that. We'll study that and we'll understand it. Once you hear the data, we'll move on from there. We won't spend all the time on the negative stuff. Now, the next book was, uh, the next two books actually are on, um, Social media. Uh, deleted book by Arthur Bokhari uh, talks about how big how big tech worked against Trump. And Christopher Wiley's book was about Facebook. And I have to tell you, once I read, even though it's a it's a uh, rather unusual title, not one you would speak about in church, but here's what it means. 
It's an idea or concept that shakes one's previously held beliefs or assumptions about the nature of reality. Now, he's talking about Facebook. And once I read the book, I immediately deleted my Facebook account and any social media accounts I had. You may not do that, but after I present this and, and we can see what the Lord's talking about us as our responsibilities as believers, uh, it was not a difficult choice for me. Um, then we have three other books uh, that we're going to look at. Faith for Exiles by David Kinnaman, Good Faith by David Kinnaman and, and Gabe Lyon, and then Google Leaks. Um, well, I think it's 97% of the world's communications goes through Google. And what this does is a whistleblower from Google explains what they're doing with that information. And it's not, it's not good. Uh, then we're going to ask some, uh, some interesting questions. What do you know about these locations? What do you know about Assyria? Uh, what do you know about the Medes, the Persians, and Babylon? What do you know about them? Uh, what do you know about Nebuchadnezzar? What do you know about Sennacherib? And what do you know about one of my favorite names in the entire Bible, Tiglath-Pileser III? I remember Johnny Cash had a book, had a song called A Boy Named Sue, and he had a lot of trouble. I'm sure Tiglath-Pileser III had a lot of trouble growing up. But anyway, so I've got a little map uh, kind of that I, that I showed. As we look into the things about Babylon, you're going to see that in order to understand what happened, you're going to have to know about Persia, the Medes, Assyria, Egypt, and Israel and Judah. And Babylon, you're going to find out the entire story, and it's a good story, but it's history, and it, and it needs it'll help you understand some of the Old Testament prophets. It will help you understand some of the uh, the uh, motivations behind the prophet, and it will also help you as you. Uh, go into the Old Testament, you'll find out that one of the reasons I think people struggle with the Old Testament is when they see it, when they read things in there, they don't have a framework for it to work in. One of the things you find out is a king in, in 1 Kings, that same king has a different name in, Second Chronic, er, in Chronicles. Uh, that's confusing enough as it is. So, then we have we will go through the foundations. Um, this is ancient foundations, uh, although Francis Schaeffer wasn't ancient, William Wilberforce was. And we're going to look at these three books and what was predicted by these men of God. Okay? Uh, probably the most interesting one in this group is William Wilberforce. He wrote this book in 1797, and if you read it and don't know where it came from, it reads like a blog today. It's exactly the same things we're facing today. Uh, we will finally come to We Will Not Be Silenced by Erwin Lutzer. This will summarize the steps that we need to take as believers. Now, as we proceed, we're going to find there's four ways Christians compromise with the world. Number one, Satan is subtle. He knows most Christians will not jump right in and compromise for the sake of it. They must be convinced that it's no big deal 
or that certain biblical standards are, quote, outdated or no longer relevant. Jesus told us that we are to expect persecution and troubles in this world. And you can see that in Matthew 10.22, 1 Peter 4.12. If we've never faced persecution, there's a good chance we've been compromised. Don't be afraid to stand for righteousness. You've been called to it, and God is right there with you by your side. Another example, uh, one of my favorite teachings is uh, Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Jesus is very specific in that chapter when he says, the sower sows the word and Satan comes to steal the word. Not God, not the Holy Spirit. It's Satan that comes to steal the word. And um, one of the interesting, another interesting part of that, there's four kinds of soil that he talks about. And only one type actually hears and acts on what God says. So if you're in church, there's 100 people in church uh, on a normal Sunday, 75 of them aren't getting what's being taught. That's a dangerous situation to be in, and, and you'll find out as we get through this, the church in America has a paucity. It's just, it, it, is, um, uh, it is lacking so much in biblical understanding and a biblical worldview that uh, it just shocked you when we get in and start studying these things. Now, the first thing he talks about is the media. Uh, finding a wholesome media these days is not impossible, but it's tough. That's why it became so easy for Christians to compromise with the world uh, when we, quote, consume entertainment that is filled with sin. We're actually going against what the Bible said. Psalm 101, verse 3 says, I will not set anything before my eyes that is worthless. We must guard our hearts by being selective about what goes in our eyes and ears. It isn't harmless because it begins to permeate our soul. Now, while you hear everyone else talking about the latest, greatest movie, you don't have to be like everyone else. Um, you should be living at a higher level. Uh, compromising even a little in the area of media is more damaging than most Christians realize. Uh, my mom always, when I would get in trouble, and I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid, when, I, when, when my mom, I'd get in a conversation with her, and I'd tell her, well, you know, Ted and Dale did that. And she said, well, if they jumped off the G Street Bridge, would you do it? Uh, so a lot of times, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean that's something we should be doing. Politics is the number two thing that Christians get caught in. Christians compromise with the world far too often in areas of politics. They ought to evangelize and be light, but they don't want to get involved or speak out for righteousness. Trying not to get canceled will cause you to make one compromise after another. And fear of being labeled as hateful, bigoted, not inclusive, self-righteous, uh, has caused many believers to clam up when we're supposed to be as bold as a lion. Some even compromise in the area of stewardship by refusing to vote, failing to take a stand against wicked curriculum, and being pushed in their child's school or staying silent when friends speak in favor of other things that are not good. Forgiveness is one thing, and this is one of the things that the Lord got me on. Um, I, I didn't think I would ever... Uh, that I would ever be call, accused of not operating in forgiveness. 
However, as I got into this, I found out that I'm not a very forgiving person when it comes to politics. I grew up in a political environment. Um, when I was a kid, I always identified with people. said, uh, who, who are you? I said, well, I'm a Nixon man. I'm a Nixon man. And uh, you can see how, how well that worked out. Uh, Nixon was, was not a, a, a good leader. But I identified politics that way. So I have to learn to forgive those I disagreed with. Forgiveness is tough, and there's no doubt about it. As we all know, it requires supernatural help. But it's not optional no matter what the circumstances. Now, words. What you say doesn't really matter, does it? Well, of course it does. I'm just calling it like it is, is what people say, but that's a lie of the enemy. Um, Romans 4.17 says the Bible tells us to call things that are not as though they were. We are to operate on a different level than the world does. Um, this is an area of compromise that will change your life and not for the better if you don't manage your words. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 12, You offspring of vipers, how can you be evil express any good thing? For out of the mouth speaks that which fills the heart. And then he goes on to say that for every careless word that people speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. Now, the last key scripture that we want to talk about, uh, before we go into the next class, is this scripture. And I want you to remember this very clearly. Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Now, there was a there's a lady in Canada named uh, Faith Marie Basco. Basco, I believe, is how she pronounces her name. She's from Oakville, Ontario. Now, she recently wrote this, and I thought it was just perfect to end this session with. I was recently awakened in the middle of the night with a burning question in my heart. What would the Apostle Paul and the disciples do in the situations that believers are now faced with in Canada and the United States and other parts of the world? How would they live and walk and comport themselves? Uh, in other words, how would they live in Babylon? Now, one of the things that we have to look at and that we're going to look at as we delve into these things and next week we're going to look, next week we'll look at the book uh, Living in Babylon uh, by by uh, Dr. Lutzer, and we'll begin unwrapping things and begin to put things in little boxes and say this is what's going here, this is what's happening here, so that you'll have a framework. It's not all bad, but there's a lot of bad in it. But we have to hear, we have to understand the foundation that we're in. We have to understand. Uh, how to deal with uh, homosexual rights and uh, the 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 um, uh, LBG uh, the the whole gay gay rights movement, transgenderism, and all of these things. Um, one of the things that I found very interesting: people say Jesus didn't address homosexuality in the New Testament. Well, he did. He did, and he did it in an indirect way. If you go to uh, Matthew, uh, he talked about woe. Unto you, Chorazin. And he said, if, if uh, the, the miracles and signs that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they'd still be here. 
Then he turned to Capernaum and said, Woe unto you, Capernaum! If the miracles and the signs that have been done in you, your town, had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they'd still be here. Now, what was Sodom and Gomorrah known for? It was certainly not, not for following righteous living. But what Jesus is pointing out, in a very subtle way, we'll get to that, is if you do what you're called to do, and you listen to God, and you, and you operate in the area that you're called to do, you can have an impact that will change people's lives without throwing them under the bus. The church has done a very, very poor job in dealing with homosexual rights and, and, and all the things that are out there now. Transgenderism. And then the media supports these things, and we get trapped and don't necessarily know how to, how to deal with it. Um, you'll see, the, I think it's called Westboro Baptist, that some gay, pri- gay pride event, they'll have a sign up that says, God hates faggots. Well, that's ludicrous. But yet, that's what the media will concentrate on. We have to learn how to operate in that environment in a way that honors God. Now, when we do that, we will run into problems. We will run into our own set of problems that are, you know, are endemic to actually following and doing what the Word of God says. So, I hope you'll stick with us. The next time we'll begin on, on Living in Babylon with Erwin with Lutzer's book. So I'm going to close with prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You for this time. I'm asking You, Father, to help us clarify, help use my voices, my voice to be able to, to present correctly what You want us to do and help us to walk in that, Father, in fear, fearlessly and boldly. In Jesus' name, with boldness, Amen.